0: Glory and God, hallelujah. Well, we're going to continue our series, amen, as a precursor to the book of Revelations, which we'll, amen, maybe get, begin to talk about a couple weeks ago from here. But we're talking about understanding the end times. Amen. Understanding the end times, because you'll find the book of Revelation works conjunctly with understanding the end times. So far, we talked about the rapture of the church. We talked about the judgment seat of Christ. And I hope you have an understanding of Daniel's 70 weeks. <laughs> if not, go back and get the CD. <laughs> Glory to God. Hallelujah. But how many of you are students of the Bible? Okay, about three people. So I'm only talking to the three people that raised their hand today. <laughs> How many people are students of the Bible? Amen. Okay. Amen. Glory to God. Well, we're going to do some studying today. Amen. Let's look at the book of Matthew. Turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 21 verse 8. The book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 21 verse 8. Now Matthew is the greatest of the four gospels in teaching the end times. Matthew presents Jesus as the king of the Jews, both in his day and the time to come. Are you listening to me out here? See, to be king of the Jews, he must be eligible to sit on the throne. And that's what Palm Sunday is about. Palm Sunday is described by Matthew when people realize Jesus is their king, when people realize that Jesus is their Messiah. Amen. Amen. So here in verse 8, it states, and a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees and strawed them where? In the way. And the multitude that went, went before them that, that followed cried saying what? Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Well, let's look at the word Hosanna. The word Hosanna is a Hebrew word brought into the Greek. And it actually means prosperity. Some might say prosperity. So the people were crying for prosperity. Now the phrase "Blessed is he that come up in the name of the Lord" is a quote from the Old Testament. And the question is, why were the crowds shouting this in the streets? See, they were quoting Psalms 118, in which David was speaking prophetically. Are you following me out there? Well, so let's look at Psalms 118, stanza 21. Psalms 118, stanza 21. If you know anything about the Bible, amen. Psalms was not written in scriptures and verse. Psalms was numbers, amen. Psalms is numbers and stanzas. So it's really it's number 118 and stanza 18. So Psalms 118, 21, he says, I will what? praise thee for thou hast heard me and art become my what salvation verse 22 the stone which the builders refuse is become the headstone of the corner this is the lord's doing and it's marvelous in our what eyes then in verse 24 it says this is the day that the the lord has made we will rejoice and be what glad and we use that in the wrong context but it's good to use it anyway come on say amen somebody So the question is, what is David seeing here? David is seeing Jesus as his salvation, folks. And these verses are first event or second coming scriptures. What is it? This is Jesus coming to the earth, living and walking on the earth for 30 years, being baptized in the River Jordan, performing three years of signs, wonders, and miracles, and then finally going to the what? Going to the cross. Come on, he has become our salvation. Come on, he has become my salvation. And then he says here, the stone which the builders refused. The stone which the builders what? Refused. Well, the stone is Jesus. And the builders are the Jews, especially the religious Jews. Somebody say religious Jews. And see, understand this, many of the Jews received Jesus, but many didn't. And see, the religious leaders, they hated and despised him. Are you following me out there? So he is the stone that the builders rejected. But after they rejected him, he did what? He became the head of the corner. The corner he has become is the head of the church. Are you following me so far? So after being rejected by the Jews, Jesus did what? He arose from the dead and became the cornerstone upon which everything in our dispensation is built upon. In other words, Psalms 118 is actually prophetic concerning the coming of the church. You got that? Psalms 118 is actually what? Prophetic concerning what? The coming of the church. So let's look at 1 Peter. Go to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, but keep a marker at Psalms 118, because we're coming back there. Go to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. It's prophetic concerning the coming of the church. Because here in 1 Peter 2, 5, it says, you are also as what? Lively what? Stones. And I build up a what? A what? Spiritual house. A holy priesthood. Somebody say, I'm a holy priesthood. To do what? To offer up spiritual sacrifice acceptable to God by who? Jesus Christ. Amen. So he's talking about what? The church. Go to Matthew 16, 18. Where Jesus says here in Matthew 16, verse 18. He says unto today, thou art Peter. And upon this what? Rock I will what? Upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Because why? We're supposed to rule and ring and deserve. The gates of hell cannot prevail against a church, folks. So regardless of what you're seeing in this world today, guess what? The church always wins. Somebody say, I always win. So let's go back to Psalms 118, verse 24. And say, where well, it says once again, Psalm 118, 24, it says, this is the day which the Lord has made. We will what? Rejoice and be what? Glad in it. See, the day he's referring to, really referring to in the scripture is the day of salvation. which was accomplished through the cross by the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Come on, say amen, somebody. So that's what he's talking about. Rejoice that you are saved. Okay, I got a couple, amen. Rejoice that you're not going to hell. Maybe that'll help you out. Come on. (laughs) Glory to God, hallelujah, Oh, let's let's look at verse 25, where he says, save now, I beseech thee, O Lord, O Lord. I beseech thee, send now what? Prosperity. Prosperity. See, the phrase save now is the Hebrew word for Hosanna. Let me say it again. The phrase save now is the Hebrew word for Hosanna. It's a second advent verse or second coming verse. Which is connected by Hosanna, send now prosperity. Send now what? Prosperity. See, the sending of prosperity is not only send prosperity now, but it's talking about sending prosperity during the millennial reign of Christ. Are you following me now? Let's look at the timetable again. This is the timetable. What happened? The rapture will take place. It'll occur and the church age will end. Okay? The tribulation will begin. And for last and it'll last for how many years? Come out! Getting them knowledge, wisdom and understanding. (laughs) <laughs> the tribulation and begin and last for how many years? Seven years. Which is synonymous with Daniel's 70th week. Amen. The second event will occur at the end of the tribulation when Jesus comes back to the earth and the millennium will begin and now last for how many years? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> a thousand years. <laughs> Hallelujah. See, the millennium will be a time of economic worldwide prosperity. At the second event, people will be crying, Hosanna, Hosanna, bring now prosperity. Now, the church will not be crying. But those believers on earth who have been through the Battle of Armageddon will be because what they survived. There are survivors during the Battle of Armageddon. There are survivors through the through the tribulation period. There will be people that will survive. Not everybody is wiped out during the tribulation period, so they'll be crying, Hosanna, Hosanna! Bring now what prosperity. They'll be shouting for what deliverance. And guess what? He'll deliver them and bring worldwide prosperity. I might say worldwide. Worldwide. Then in verse 26 of Psalms 118, he says, Blessed be he that come up in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you out of the house of the Lord. This is referring to the tribulation temple and the millennial temple. Amen. That is yet to be built. But the question is, going back to Matthew 21, what is Matthew 21 actually saying? What actually happened in Matthew 21? Well, go back to Matthew 21, look at it, verse 9. Here, Jesus is riding into town on a donkey. He's about to go to the cross. And what are people doing? They're throwing palm leaves in front of him on the road, and they're shouting. Amen? Amen. They're shouting in verse 9, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that come up in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. They were shouting, Hosanna, save us now. Bring now prosperity. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. See, the, listen, the crowds were shouting the second part of the prophecy, not the first part. Let me say it again. The crowds were shouting the first part, the second part of the prophecy, not the first part. What did they leave out? Well, go back to Psalms 118, 22, which is the prophecy. They left out verse 22, 22, 22, 22, 23, and 24. They left out those three verses. Look what it says here. The stone which the builders refused. It's become the headstone of the corner. They left that out. Verse 23, this is the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous in, his, in our eyes. They left that out. Verse 24, this is the day that the Lord has made. We will what? Rejoice and be glad in it. See, they skipped over this entire section. And they began crying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh what? In the name of the Lord. What happened? A few days later, Jesus went to the cross. He hadn't conquered the Roman Empire, and he hadn't set up his kingdom. So the same group of people yelled, crucify him. Crucify him. Same group of people now. We're just saying, Hosanna. We're now saying what? Crucify him. And understand this. These were not believers shouting. These were people on the streets trying to usher in the second coming event. They were trying to usher it in, folks. They, listen, they wanted the crown without the cross first. Let me say it again. They wanted what? The crown without the cross. Listen, no one can rule and reign with Jesus without first being a born-again believer. Let me say that again. No one can rule and reign with Jesus without first being a What? Born again believer, the people listen. The people were wanting all the benefits of the cross, without accepting Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and that ain't gonna happen, to your neighbor. That ain't gonna happen. You got to accept Him first before you receive the benefits. Amen. Let's look at the parable of the husbandman. Look at Matthew verse twenty-one, verse thirty-three, in the same chapter. Look at verse thirty-three. Now, at the riding into Jerusalem. What did Jesus do? Jesus entered the temple. Now, most of Matthew 21, 22, and chapter 23 take place in the temple. Somebody say in the temple. See, prior to this time, Jesus had spent very little time in a temple. Matter of fact, the first time he entered the temple, he threw out the money changers. Amen? So when when he entered the temple again, he began addressing the religious leaders, and he says... Here another parable. There was a certain householder which planted a vineyard and hedged it round about and digged a wine press in it and built a tower and let it out to the husbandmen, and went into a far country. How many people read that and didn't understand a word they were talking about? Let's read it again. Here another parable, there is a certain householder which planted a vineyard and hedged it round about and digged a wine press in it and built a tower and let it out to the husbandmen and went into a far country. And when the time of the fruit drew near, he sent his servants to be husbandmen that they might what? Receive the fruits of it. And the husbandmen took his servants and beat one, killed another, and stoned another. And again he sent other servants more than the first, and they did unto them what? Likewise, but the last of all, he sent unto them his son, saying, They will reverence my son. But when the husbandmen saw the son, they said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him. Let us seize on his what? Inheritance. So they caught him and cast him out of the vineyard and slew him. When the Lord therefore of the vineyard cometh, what shall he do unto those husbandmen? Well, the question is, who are the husbandmen? The husbandmen are the Jews, the Pharisees. Come on, say amen, somebody. See, God had given them the nation of Israel, but Israel was more than just a nation, folks. They were given the gospel. Let me say it again. They were given the gospel. See, the fruit of the wine press represents the gospel. Are you following me? The fruit of the wine press represents what? The gospel. And the Jews were supposed to spread the gospel. But guess what? But they didn't do it. This was their purpose from the time of the Old Testament, folks. So what? guess what? So he sent the owner. So the owner sent his servants, represented the Old Testament prophets. Who? Zechariah, Jeremiah, Isaiah, and all the prophets found in the Old Testament. He sent his servants, represented the Old Testament prophets. But the husbandman husbandman did what? They beat them, they stoned them, and even killed some of the servants. Come on, have you read the Old Testament? And finally, the owner who was God said, that's it. The last one I will send is my own son. So what did the husband then do? They said, well, this is the heir. Let us seize and kill him, and then we'll get the inheritance. Come on, are you with me out here? And as Jesus shared this story, folks. The religious leaders were becoming angry with the husbandmen. Amen. They hadn't yet realized that Jesus was talking about them as he was telling the story. And Jesus finally asked them, what would be the proper thing to do to these husbandmen? Look at their reply in verse 41. They said to him, he will miserably destroy those wicked men. (laughs) And will let out his vineyard unto other husbandmen, which will what? Surrender him that fruit in their season. Listen to this now. The Pharisees tell Jesus, if the owner is smart, he'll take the vineyard from the husbandman and give it to someone who really cares. They were saying this. Look at verse 42. Jesus said unto them, did you never read in the scriptures the stone which the builders rejected? Same is become the what? The head of the corner. And this is the Lord's doing. And it's marvelous in our eyes. Didn't we just read that? Therefore say unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you. And given unto a nation bringing forth what? Fruits thereof. And whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken. But on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. And when the chief priests and Pharisees had heard his parable, they perceived that he spake of them. I guess the light bulb went off. Come on, say amen, somebody. But when they sought to lay hands on him, they what? They feared the multitude because they took him for a what? Prophet. In essence, Jesus said, I'm the stone and you are the ones who will reject me. And immediately, The fulfillment of the prophecy looked like it was imminent. Why? Because they would have killed him right then if it hadn't been for the crowds. They were fearful of the crowds. But notice Jesus quoted the verse from Psalms 118, which the crowds did not quote. Come on, y'all with me out here. Instead, they did what? They bypassed the cross. And went immediately to the second event, Hosanna, Hosanna, bring prosperity now. And what did Jesus do? Jesus told the religious leaders and the multitudes, he says, I'm not here to bring you Hosanna, Hosanna. Come on. I'm not here to be the blessed was he to come in the name of the Lord. I'm not here to save now, save now. I'm here to be the stone. which the builders rejected? Then I'm going to rise and become the head of the whole new generation, a whole new kingdom, which will exist for a long time. Oh, come on, are you with me out here? And he said, there will come a day when they will shout, and when they can shout, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he that come in the name of the Lord. But it ain't now. And understand that Jesus always had to confront the religious leaders. It's like sometimes we got to confront the religious leaders. We have a lot of religious leaders in our day also. Come on, say amen somebody. But look at Matthew 23, 23. He always had to confront the religious leaders. Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. He says, woe unto you, what? Who? Shrives and parents. And he calls them what? He calls him what? Hypocrite. I ain't called nobody hypocrite yet. Uh-huh. <laughs> For he says what? You pay tithe the mint and anise and cumin and have, have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. He says these ought you have done and not to lead the other undone. Amen. Jesus is simply saying you made a mountain out of a mohill. You made people pay tithes on the smallest things like spices. And you omitted the most important part of the law. See, the law did teach tithing. But it also taught judgment, mercy, and faith, which the scribes and the Pharisees neglected to teach the people. Amen. So look at verse 24. He said, you blind guides. Jesus wasn't easy now. (laughs) With strain at a gnat and you swallow a camel. (laughs) See, the religious leaders were experts on the law. Even down to the minutest detail, folks. And the people that they were ministering to, they were waiting to hear about love. They were waiting to hear about justice and mercy and faith. But all they were receiving was your tithes of mint pay your tithes of anise pay your tithes of cumin we haven't seen your cumin listen we ain't seen your cinnamon yet we haven't seen your nutmeg yet come on come on give it up pay now that's all they were hearing folks see the scribes and the pharisees they majored on the least significant aspects of the law and neglected to teach the major areas of the word So, verse 25, it says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, and what? And hypocrites. For you may clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within you are full of extortion and excess. (laughs) I told you, Jesus wasn't easy. Y'all think he just walked around? He did it in love. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Hallelujah. and see the religious leaders were guilty of two things extortion and excess somebody say extortion and excess they were extorting money from the people and spending it on themselves see it's common to find crime hidden behind a facade of religion let me say it again it's common to find crime hidden behind a facade of religion. Jesus was saying, behind the walls of religion is crime. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I don't hear that. He said, you have cleaned up the outside of the cup. But inside, the cup is filled with extortions and excess. Verse 26, thou blind Pharisee. Cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that the what? The outside of them may be clean also. Jesus is simply telling them, receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior first. Clean up your heart. And that which is inside, amen, then what happened in your actions, the outside on the outside will follow. Let me say it again. See, first we gotta clean up on the inside. Then our actions on the outside will follow. Come on. Verse 27. He says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you, for ye are alike unto white sopa church, which indeed appear. Beautiful outward but are within full of dead man's bones and of all uncleanness. This is a perfect description of religion, folks. Whitewashed and beautiful on the outside, but filled with death on the inside. And understand this, folks. What you see on the outside is not necessarily what's really on the inside. because somebody can come in church hallelujah (laughs) glory to God God. (laughs) and be full of dead man's bones on the inside people will fool you come on say amen somebody everybody can look holy in church but let me me follow you home. Let me follow you on your job. Let me see you in the grocery store and somebody accidentally runs over your toe with the buggy. (laughs) And don't look back to say, I'm sorry. Let me see that part of you then. Let me see what's really on the inside come on say amen somebody amen. so don't let people fool you a lot of times you know when we have home goings and you'll find somebody that you, you thought and you believe served the Lord for all their heart and might and strength We're strong in the Lord but you didn't know their heart a lot of times there's a lot of unforgiveness in their heart that they never let go of A lot of muck in their heart that they never let go of. And all they appear to you as this holy, down, down person. Come on. Because you didn't know what was in their heart. Are you listening to me out there? Look at verse 28. He says, even so you also outwardly appear righteous unto men. But within you are full of what? hypocrisy, and iniquity. You're full of sin. <laughs> You're looking good at everybody else's face. But God sees your heart. You can't always go by what you see, folks. You can't go by always what you hear all the time. See, it takes time to observe someone to find their true heart. Come on, say, that takes time. That's why single people, you gave me fall all in love. Because it takes time to find out what's really on the inside of that person. See, in the first five, six, seven months, guess what? Everybody's putting on their, their best foot. Come on, they're the most lovely people you've ever seen in your life. Play the man or woman of your dreams. Come on, say amen. Somebody. Come on, amen, amen, amen. They don't fart in your presence. <laughs> Come on, at the dinner table, they just need him. But wait about six, eight, nine months. After a year, they grabbing that chicken bone. Before they was taking a knife and a sword and cutting the drumstick up. come on people change and that takes time that takes time that takes time and you have people getting married after three months then after three after they married for the first month they find out who in the world did I marry okay y'all didn't want to hear that hallelujah let's go to verse 29 we're talking about the end times (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> woe unto you scribes and Pharisees hypocrites because you build the tombs of the prophets and garner the sepulchers of the righteous because you do a lot of things don't mean a thing Amen. and then you say if we had been in the days of our fathers we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets Wherefore, you, are witness, you you be witnesses unto yourselves that you are the children of them which killed the prophets. Fill you up then the measure of your fathers. What does Jesus do? Jesus confronts them. He says, you tell us if you lived in the time of your fathers, you would, not, you would not have killed the prophets. But mark it down. You are the children of your fathers. See, your fathers filled the portion of the cup with the blood of the prophets, which were martyred, but you're going to fill the cup to full. Your fathers killed the prophets, but you're going to kill the one that the prophets prophesied about. You're going to kill the Messiah and fill the cup overflowing. Guess what? You're going to take it to another level. Then in verse 33, he says, you serpents, <laughs> you generation of vipers. Jesus, talk like that. <laughs> How can you escape the damnation of hell? Wherefore, behold, I send, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes. Some of them you shall kill and crucify. And some of them you shall scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from what? City to city. Verse 34 is a prophecy about the church. Jesus is describing to them what is to come. He's saying, you're going to kill me. And once the church begins, you will chase believers from city to city and you'll scourge them and you will beat them. You're going to do it in your synagogue. You're going to do it in your churches. Oh, come on. Say amen, somebody. And this verse is a perfect description of what Saul did before his conversion. You ever read the book of Saul, about Saul? He led many to do what? Persecute the church in an attempt to destroy it. Come on. He, was, he did this before he became the apostle Paul. The Bible says, you know, if you could do a little study on it. They said he was so ruthless, he used to rip babies out of women's wombs. Christians. Amen? Look at verse 33. That upon you may, become, may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zacharias, son of Zacharias, whom you slew between the temple and the altar. Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation. He says, "O oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killeth the prophets and stoneth them which are sent unto thee. How often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and you would not. Verse 38, Behold, your house is left unto you, what? Yeah. desolate. Both the temple and the city will be destroyed in 70 A.D., folks. 70 A.D., temple. Come on. And the city was destroyed. Verse 39. For I say unto you, you shall not see me henceforth till you say, Bless is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Jesus finished what the religious leaders should have said. He told them one day there will be a remnant of your children who will cry, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. But you will not see me again until that day. See, Israel, he said, Israel, you had a chance. Pharisees, you had a chance. Jerusalem, you had a chance. See, Jesus gives everybody a chance. He said, how often would I have taken you under my wing if you would have just received the prophecy And just received me. I could have took care of y'all. Oh, come on. Say amen, somebody. Instead, you will kill me and persecute believers. From synagogue to synagogue, city to city, you'll chase them down and you'll kill them. And it's exactly what they did. See, the opportunity you have had extended towards us, towards you. Come on. He says, the opportunity I gave extended towards you. It's being removed right now. And it's given to another nation. Yes. Amen. What happened? Jesus departs from the temple. Look at Matthew 24:1. He departs from the temple. It says, and Jesus went out and did what? And departed from the temple. And his disciples came to him for to show him what? The buildings of the temple. Notice the two statements. Jesus went out and departed from the temple. Jesus did what? He went out and did what? Departed from the temple. Instead of simply saying Jesus left the temple, the statement is divided into two parts. The reason for the two is Jesus departed from the temple and he never returned. Jesus spoke his peace and he was gone. He departed. Somebody say he departed. He departed. Then the verse continues, and the disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. Understand this. The disciples did not understand the significance of what Jesus had just spoken, folks. Jesus did not have 12 super spiritual men. (laughs) Let me say it again. Jesus did not have 12... Super spiritual man. Come on, one was a thief. <laughs> Two of them wanted to call fire down from heaven and burn up a city. Come on, say amen. One had whooping mouth disease. Whooping, you know, Peter would say anything that was on his mind. Come on, say. They were not super spiritual men. Amen. He didn't have that type of people following him. He had people just like you and me. Now, after going through his discourse, the disciple came to Jesus and said, did you notice the temple buildings? Did you notice it? Aren't they impressive? Verse 2, and Jesus said unto them, see you not all these things? Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon the other that shall not be thrown down. As he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately saying, tell us. When shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? Jesus now prophesies the destruction of the temple, which will occur less than 40 years from that date. He prophesied what Daniel spoke of is coming to pass in Daniel 9.26. If you remember, let's look at that scripture again. He prophesied what was coming to pass from Daniel 9.26, where it says, And after three score and two weeks, 62 weeks, amen, amen, should Messiah be what? Cut off. What's cut off mean? He'd be killed. And it was exactly 62 weeks, amen. When the fire went to the cross and he died for us. But not for himself and the people of the prince shall what? The people of the prince that shall come shall what? Destroy the city and the sanctuary. And the end thereof shall be before what? Flood and unto the end of the war. Desolations are what? Determined. He said Messiah will be cut off and a flood will come. And which the people of the prince that is yet to come. The people of the prince that is yet to come were the ones that were surrounding Jesus at the time. Come on, are you with me out here? And see, streets were filled with Romans. And Jesus continued. He said, see this place. See this place. Not one stone will be left upon another. And disciples understand. They're in a different time zone. Come on, say amen, somebody. They were excited. They said, Jesus, this is what we've been waiting for. Thank you, Jesus. When will these things happen? What would be the sign of your coming? What would be the sign of the end of the age? See, the disciples asked three questions. And Jesus answered all three. But we need to understand where the disciples were from. When they asked about the end of the age, they were referring to the Jewish age. Amen. Why? Because they didn't understand the church age. Because the church age was still a what? mystery. A mystery. So in their thinking, come on, say amen, somebody. In their thinking, these seven weeks, these, seven, these, last, seven, these last seven years was right around the corner. They're thinking all this thing, was, the tri- tri- tribulation period was going to happen tomorrow. Come on, say amen, somebody. They didn't understand the what? The church age. The end of the Jewish age is Daniel's 70th weeks, of, or that we call the what? The tribulation, semi-tribulation. And Jesus will begin to describe the tribulation in the verses that follow. And disciples did not know to ask about the end of the church age because they didn't know there was a church age. Once again, in their thinking, these they are seven years away from the millennium reign of Christ. Amen. Amen. And at chapter 24 and 25, known as a, the Olivet Discourse, Jesus will describe what will happen during the tribulation and the second coming. And we're going to study chapter 24. Because a lot of times people read chapter 24. And they think he's talking about the church. Amen. When one is left and one is taken up. you read that before? They think he's talking about the tribulation. Where Jesus appears and one is left behind. And one is taken up. That's, right. That's not what he's talking about. Yeah. <laughs> He's talking about the Jews. He's talking to the Jews. And we'll talk about that next Sunday. All heads bowed, all eyes closed in prayer. Father, we thank and we praise and we glorify your holy and majestic name. We thank you, Lord, that people have ears to hear what they were t- taught today concerning the end times You bring an understanding because you want us to have understanding about what's taking place in these end times. What your word says about the end.